0: And welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio.
1: I'm your host, Daniel Holborn. And today and we're joined by Mr. A guest.
2: Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson.
1: Justin Jackson. <laughs> Man about town. And today's
0: show is sponsored by Honey Badger. Thank Honey you, Honey Badger. Badger, for sponsoring the show. You are really good to us, and we appreciate that.
2: I like those guys, <sighs> too. Honey Badger? Yeah. Yeah, they're... They're just good dudes. they have a podcast hosted on Transistor, but really? I would listen to it regardless because uh, have you heard it yet? Founder Quest no, oh my God, just look up founder Quest like they nailed the artwork, everything about it is fantastic interesting L- look at
1: the guest the guest Justin is doing doing the reads better than it. we do no seriously
0: <laughs> I know very little about the founder except that I submitted a customer service there i just opened up um uh not telegram what's the thing intercom Intercom. and Mm. just said hello to see how long it would take and if it was really short i'd plug it and it was and it was the founder and we were just talking i was like hey yeah you sponsor our show i just wanted to see yeah Um, which one did you get there's three of them
2: oh i don't remember his name there's ben josh and star
0: uh probably ben ben finley is that it
2: Uh, let
0: me think. Finley, Finley.
2: Is Ben Ben Finley? Because there's two Bens there, and I. uh, Oh boy, now this is turning into a segment. (laughs) (laughs) What's what is his? Uh, is it Ben Finley? Sorry, I'm not. I'm not fast enough. I to say it is. I'm not fast fast enough.
0: I say Ben Finley because Honey Badger emails have Ben Finley on them, so.
2: Mm, No, I think he's the marketing guy. Gotcha. So, so Benjamin Curtis, who is Stimpy on Twitter, which is okay. the best Twitter handle. That's a pretty ever. great. It's it a
1: pretty great Twitter handle.
2: Are Are you too old enough to appreciate that?
1: Ren and Stimpy. Yeah.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh. I always got to check,
1: but although I this came is a PHP rent- pro- podcast. Let me actually. Let me be clear. I. Might not be old enough, but I came to Ren and Stimpy by way of Eminem referencing Ren and uh, Stimpy. Okay, all right. <laughs> really, and Eminem is old enough. What song? <laughs> um, I don't know. Come on, I can't. You... I can think of the line. Can you? Because he's, he's making a line. He's making a joke about MC Ren, and then he's saying, "But not like Stimpy's friend." Um, I forget what what song that is though. Probably pretty old who can say who can say <laughs> who, who can, can say?
0: say oh justin jackson on the show
1: yeah what are we going to talk about
0: t- i'm having an amazing
2: day today
1: yeah, yeah you just you went snowboarding out of nowhere
2: yeah it it's like everything just lined up so last night do you want to hear about this do people Please. at home yes. want to hear about this so yeah
1: we talk about fly fishing all the time <laughs> true
2: oh that's true that's my favorite segment of this show i'm like less yeah. programming corner more fly fishing talk. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Uh but last night it snowed a, a snowed a ton here. And so my thinking was usually overnight it snows a bunch more. You wake up and you have to snow you have to shovel before you can go do anything else. Sure. So I wake up no snow on the ground. It rained overnight, which is actually oh. perfect because if it's raining down here, What's it doing up it's on the mountain? It's snowing up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So no shoveling this morning. Just had to, like, shovel the kids off to school, get in my Honda Fit. <laughs> nice. Make my way up that to That seems
1: the... <laughs> safe. With
0: studded tires or chains <laughs> or Yeah, something. that seems really safe.
2: <laughs> I mean, I got winter tires on it. Make okay, my cool. way up to the top of the mountain and snowboarded for a few hours. Oh, here's the other crazy thing. So the backside of the mountain where all the good runs are, Mm-hmm. It normally gets completely tracked out by the time I'm there because I'm never there on time. I got to do dad stuff. I got to get the kids to school. And today, they opened it late because they were testing for avalanches. So right when I got there, it had just opened. So I got a ton of first tracks. Yes.
0: Yeah. Is this um, like? Do you run the risk of an avalanche like chasing you down a hill where you're it- skiing?
2: Uh, so it had we hadn't had any avalanches at Silver Star for like ever, right, forty years at least. And then just last year we had two in one day. Huh. There's something called climate change.
1: That's just tell me more screwing. about this climate change. I've, I've heard about it. That's just it seems crazy. <laughs> it,
2: it's it's screwing up everything. And yeah, in, in it tw- two in one day, and one guy got caught in it, and it really messed them up. Like, Mother Nature, when she wants to, mm-hmm. can mess a person up. Yeah,
1: she will, she will end you <laughs> quick.
2: And I think the only thing that saved him is he crashed into a tree. So this, this avalanche of snow is going and, you know, destroying his body, and it threw him into a tree up higher. Otherwise, he'd be dead. Hmm. He still had, like, broken, broken ribs and stuff. But, so, yeah, they're, they're being a lot more careful. Then. i'm How, like not in the past
1: How i'm like not great mountain? at snowboarding oh go ahead sorry no 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 you go decal okay i'm not I'll great go. at snowboarding <laughs> i've injured myself many times snowboarding i love snowboarding i'm just like i've never gotten above adequate at it mm. you know what i'm saying i think they should do but, a, we should
2: uh, do a laricon
1: in whistler or something that would be sick that would be fire
2: I
0: snow. I skated my whole life, and I thought, uh-huh. "Oh, I'll snowboard because it's the same, you know, same thing." Totally different, and yes, I think it I, mi- like it probably helped me a little bit on rails and things. Yeah, but that that dynamic of like not catching an edge and falling on your face every two seconds, I'm not sure it made it any easier. And uh, I did by that the for, way,
2: I, I think skateboarding is about a hundred times harder.
0: Personally, yeah. Well, I guess. Skateboarding is easier to like move on it without falling, I think. I don't know. Uh,
2: I think yeah. So (laughs) the, by the way, if you're listening right now, uh, if you, I think getting an ollie, like getting the basics of skateboarding, is much more difficult. Whereas a snowboard, once you figure out basic edge control, you can do it and you can feel pretty okay. The fact that an ollie is needed for kind of everything that comes after yeah. is makes it hard. Yeah,
1: it's a huge barrier for entry. <laughs> yeah,
2: yes, yep.
0: which is great. That's it's. Uh, yeah, no, it's important. It's the most it's lovable thing about sometimes. it. It just sends like yeah. hordes of teenagers on like street corners, just falling over and over and over for days and days mm-hmm. and days and days. Yeah, I, I think, well, and
2: it's like that. The programming equivalent is is figuring out your. Like DevOps stuff, like just your Dev environment. That's where everyone, right. most people, get stuck there, and then they're like, Bro.
1: Webpack is the ollie of programming. Yeah, <laughs> <that's true. laughs> it's just this gaping maw that we throw thousands of people into, so that a few can survive.
2: It's so true, and like skateboarders, sacrifice. Some programmers love that so many people don't make it past that initial stage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like skateboarders love it that. You know, mm-hmm. there's all these people that don't get past the Ollie stage and they give up. And I think yeah. programmers secretly just mm-hmm. love it that there's like this. Well, it's this, job security. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It a yeah. gra- graveyard. As of long people as Webpack
1: tri- is hard, we could keep charging stupid amounts of money to do work.
2: Which is a real market dynamic. Supply yeah. and demand. You put too much supply into the market. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The job security goes down.
1: Yeah no, I think we got another 10, 15 years at this rate, and then we're done. <laughs> you, just, like, you think save your money while you can.
2: What do you think what do you think's going to end it
1: though? Just the rest of the world?
2: What do you mean like the so in terms of programming, what do you think is going to end your 10,15 year run?
0: I feel like uh, just people are going to realize that it's a lot easier and it, like it's not worth as much money as we get paid.
1: Mm. yeah i think that's what it is well and it's not just that like them realizing it doesn't do anything right they have to also have like the economic power to force the prices down yes but i think that that will happen because a there's a bunch of kids right now who are like oh i hear that programming is really easy and like you make a lot of money and you don't have to go to college and you can just kind of chill yeah, and like blah, blah, blah. So there's a bunch of kids like skateboarding and learning to Ollie and also learning Webpack at the same time. (laughs) Um, And those kids are just coming for our throats (laughs) and are going to steal all of our jobs because they're hungrier than us. And like, you know, they've got their little weed pens and stuff (laughs) and they're just, they're coming for us. Um, And then the, uh, the, Other thing, though, is like the rest of the world, like outsourcing has been like this like untenable thing for a lot of people, Mm -hmm. although some people have been able to pull off outsourcing. Yeah. But like I think internationally, like the bar is being raised internationally and people are getting way better. Interesting. Way fast. And, you know, I still think that like right now, if you looked for like the best programmers, Mm -hmm. like most of them are in like the US, Canada, the UK. Yeah. You know. There's a few but, in Australia. And and Michael Duranda, but he's like, he's weird, <laughs> we don't, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, like, there are just massive, you know, like, if you just look at, like, what European devs are getting paid right now, there's crazy, crazy good European devs out there making 50 grand a year. They just really? get paid less, yeah, way less. Yeah.
2: Why? Because I was there's talking more supply? To-
0: at Fullstack EU, we were out to dinner and I, I didn't know this, and somehow it got around to salaries, and they're telling me their salaries and I'm like, no way, and these are really good developers, like all the people we know. Yeah. That you know, I'm like, no way, and I I mean their answer was basically that it's cheaper to live in the UK, like that that was the best answer they could That's give not me true. It was like, it's just they don't really have cars or a lot fewer people have cars they don't drive as much Mm -hmm. um government takes care of more things they don't eat out as much because it's really expensive like that they take the train a lot in public transport i don't know the way they were just they're not all driving like ford
1: f250s and but like we don't eat out as much because it's too expensive it's not the same thing as it's cheaper to live here you know what what I'm well they just
0: spend less money when i was like picking their brains on how much they spend it's just less than we do Interesting. So they just get paid. That, that's, that's their assessment. Is like, so we just get paid less than you do.
2: Because I, I found your episode on salaries. That was like one of my favorite episodes. And then the nice. subsequent tweets. I think that people talking openly about that stuff uh, is a force for good in the world.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah.
2: And I wonder if, you know, actually, you guys could help me with this. So... You know the concept about Fog of War? No. Yeah. Now, I might be misunderstanding it. Is Fog of War, like, in Command and Conquer, where
1: you... Yes, it's both of those things.
2: (laughs) But is it where you progressively uncover more of the map? Or is it that you just can always... You only can see, like, 100 feet around You, you?
1: You can only see where you have guys, basically. Okay.
2: See... I, I, I think I need to change the metaphor, though, because cause there is another concept. Like, is it is it Zelda, the old Zelda that works like this, where you progressively... Yeah, where you can
1: only see places you've been.
2: Yes, yes, yeah. Uh-huh. And I think life is kind of like that. Like, you're going through life, and some some of us just stay in our, our own little bubble, and we don't know about all the opportunity and the way things work in other, you know, bubbles. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And...
2: Sometimes all it takes is like you flying across the pond and then meeting some other people, and you're like, whoa, it opens up this big part of the mm-hmm. map. And all of a sudden, you can say, oh, like here in North America, devs charge more. And sometimes, just even having that thought, just having it open up your mind to the possibility of, wait a second, we can charge more. The market could go the other way. If if they feel like they're being underpaid, they could also start asking for more, and you know mm-hmm. maybe wages would go up. Market dynamics are a little bit tricky. Like it, right now, there's a bunch of North American founders that are like, "Wait a second, yeah, I can hire somebody yeah, in the UK."
1: All right. Well, and that's I think that's the thing, right? And it's like it's not just the UK, right? It's also like all of the non like native English speaking countries, like for a long time uh like you know you the sort of the classic examples have been like romanian outsourcing companies or like indian outsourcing companies or something like that right yeah and like you get these code bases and they're kind of messy and the variable naming's kind of weird and they pluralize things incorrectly or whatever you know yeah but like those companies like from when i started in programming to now those companies have gotten more professional interesting right and they're getting more and more professional. More people are becoming like more like fluent English speaking mm-hmm. developers who are raised on the internet are coming around. There's more good like American and British technical PMs going and being like the in between between those companies yeah. and and American and British companies. So I don't know. To me it's just like yeah, it's been a fun run where like we <laughs> all were like, "Hey, there's this massive demand for this thing and we're just going to like cash in on it mm-hmm. but i think like any hot unskilled labor yeah or not like unskilled labor but like uncertified labor yes. <laughs> that doesn't require like a master's degree yeah um don't you have your you, like don't you two have your php ring uh, don't you have i your,
2: don't
1: know <laughs> no no i don't even have my laravel certification <laughs> um but uh yeah i think eventually that just crashes
2: okay i have another question while i have you on the line yeah, right. Yeah. How much longer what how much longer do you think Laravel has? Is it has it uh, has it peaked while. or is it still going up? Still going up. Okay. Yeah, so I don't if, you're, if you were gonna, if you're going to if you're going to say like the arc of Laravel has 10 years 15 like when will Laravel feel like Rails feels now? Yeah. Like Rails kind of died down, you know. It's like it's yeah. still it's good old faithful people lots of people use it lots of people like it but there's not the same excitement around it and it feels like now laravel has that same excitement that we had early in rails
1: so i think a lot of the um question about how long laravel has depends on how much php decides like how much laravel people get into the php working group Mm. you know and start shaping the future of php i don't think that's
0: gonna happen but well i I think
1: it will eventually because i think at a certain point like the most php will be laravel you know because taylor doesn't taylor's not on
2: that he's not on that uh committee right now right
1: no but he he could be if he wanted to though Hmm. you think so oh yeah yeah, I know probably. there's no way he couldn't just, you know.
2: I know he's told me that they've they sometimes run stuff by him, to yeah. but I'm looking at the list right now. I just want to like look at their profile pictures and see if it's a bunch of boomers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, probably. So okay. okay, so let's say that. Let's say that PHP. So you think there's still a risk, a threat that PHP could do something that would be bad for Laravel.
1: I don't think it's as much that. It's that PHP could not grow fast enough. Mm. You know, it's like PHP could just stay where it is right now and not grow. And I mean, the evidence is that PHP is growing, right? Like they have, they are trying new things, they are doing new stuff, and they have been since seven basically doing a lot of cool interesting new things yeah you know but it's slow if you look at if you compare it to like es6 or javascript growth like javascript is a similarly old similarly crusty language to php Mm -hmm. and look how drastically different javascript is now than it was when we started learning javascript yeah php is not that different yeah you know a couple things have changed uh but like even like you know even like the short arrow functions that they added like they added the lame version of them you know and it's just like it's just like come on guys like can we get someone in there who is excited about programming you know and wants to see php be like a new fun language that people like in the way that they like javascript now
2: should i should i just start calling out some of these people by name come on larry yeah (laughs)
1: larry
2: come on chris stefano (laughs)
1: Stefano. Stefano. Dude, I, I I knew a guy named Stefano.
2: <laughs> I Okay, I have a I have two more questions. I'm sorry. I've just derailed. but I've, these things are roiling around in my brain. Mhm. I know these are and these are difficult questions to answer. What percentage of the web Yeah. do you think runs on PHP right now? Huge. Like 70
1: Over, 80%? Yeah, 70 or 80%. It Because shrinking. we're... WordPress was seventy five percent of the web and went down mm-hmm. um, as Squarespace basically stole WordPress sites. Yeah, um, but Squarespace has some PHP in there as well, um, and you know Laravel is I think most of the other PHP on the web. But there's a lot of legacy PHP as well.
2: Interesting. Yeah, you know?
1: there's also that's not counting the Drupal sites and the Joomla sites and all the other leftover nonsense, but. So it's huge. So this is okay. And one more guess: I've heard this number thrown
2: around, but it, it's not sourced very well. That there's about five million PHP developers in the world. Do you think that is low or high?
1: I have no idea. What do you think, Caleb? Oh, I have. I
0: don't know numbers. It's like gumballs yeah. in a like a bathtub. <laughs> it's like. It could yeah. be 2,000. It could be 2 million. Yeah. Um, it, I uh, think that sounds, let's say, uh, perfect. Right okay. on. Okay. <laughs>
2: so let's just do this exercise. And I realize that the outcomes really depend on the input variables. But 5 million
1: developers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then... Ke- this sounds like a shark tank, right? <laughs> Where you're like... <laughs> This ind- this is a 40 billion dollar industry. That's where I'm going. That's where I'm going. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this, but bottled water is a 40 billion dollar industry. So we're going to this company is worth 40 billion dollars cuz we're making one bottle of water.
2: But this is this is important because yeah. I think it 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 reveals something that a lot of people don't kind of get. Yeah. So 70 80% of the web is PHP.
1: Uh-huh.
2: And Let's just say 5 million developers in the world. And let's just say, this is probably a bad estimate, but on average, they make $25,000 uh-huh. $25, a year.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure.
2: What's 5 million times 25,000? Uh,
1: 125 billion? 100... Or 1.25 trillion? No,
2: 125 billion. 125 yeah. billion. Yeah, the diamond market in the the worldwide diamond market last year I think was 40 billion so if you yeah. just take PHP and then you just say well let's just let's not talk about tools let's not talk about hosting let's not talk about conferences or events or education let's just talk about let's just try to ballpark what we're spending on salaries it's a hundred and twenty five billion
1: yeah it's crazy
2: and I think some folks were Surprised when Laravel came around. By the way, do you guys say Laravel? Did you go up? No. Okay. Laravel. No. Only mm-hmm. Taylor does. Because Taylor does that. Only. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Only Taylor's allowed to actually. It's oh, a, interesting. <laughs> yeah.
2: La- I can't even do it. Like Laravel. I. I, I can't. So Laravel. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's named after Car Paravel, right?
1: Car Paravel. Yeah. Car
2: Par. See, I'm oh, in, okay. In, I used in, to in say Ar-
0: Laravel. La- it took me a while to get out of that. <laughs>
2: I like that actually. Laravel.
1: Yeah. You got to unravel the Laravel.
2: So, people get confused that first of all, how is a PHP from, framework the most popular thing on GitHub right now? How is uh going to a Laracon? Going to a Laracon to me feels like going to an Apple keynote. It almost feels yeah, like it more, pops off. More exciting. And yeah. I think people are confused by this. Like, why PHP? I thought this was dead language. But if you think 70 to 80% of the web is powered by PHP, and then you've got 5 million, 6 million, 3 million, whatever it is, developers mm-hmm. who this is what they do every day, It it sure. doesn't take, it's not too big of a stretch of the imagination to go, Taylor kind of stumbled into an incredible market. And... If you think about it, he still has so he, he recently said he sold ten million dollars worth of software.
0: Yeah. Yeah, in five ten, years.
2: Ten million in five years. I mean that sounds like a lot of million. That sounds a lot like a lot of money. It sounds like a lot of millions. <laughs> um, um ten million over five years, is that what we said? Yeah. Yeah. So ten million, Two million a year over five years is not even it's not. A, it's a tiny, tiny fraction of 125 billion. Like there is so much room just in PHP right now, for right. developers like you <laughs> to come in and offer new tools, new hosting, new whatever. And I realize it's not just that easy, but it it seems like for sure there are developers who have not used uh, Laravel yet. Mm-hmm.
0: For
1: sure.
2: So Taylor's got t- tons think, of upside.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's definitely still tons of room in the space. I'm de- I'm definitely not saying there's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that my only concern is what percentage of... So for a developer to work, mm-hmm. right? Someone needs to make a decision and say, like, we want new code to be written or, like, old code to be updated or something, right? Yep. And... So that means someone raised got a budget, and basically said, "I want to work on this old, crufty PHP code that's been here forever." Um, and with that budget, we need them to uh, to make the decision to stick with PHP, to stay in Laravel, mm-hmm. and to choose a uh, you know to choose that path to grow on instead of making the decision to go to Node or making the decision to go to Django or, you know, making the decision to go anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And so my concern with PHP is, like, PHP doesn't grow fast enough, doesn't add features fast enough to make anyone excited about saying, you know what I want to do for the next 10 years is stay with PHP with this app that I've had for 10 years.
2: The counterpoint to that might be, especially if you look at, uh, how do you say it? Java, no Java. Java's Java. Java's Java. resilience. F- Cuz for years, we, when you looked at the Stack Overflow survey, Java is always in the top 3. Yeah. Nobody likes it, I don't think, or maybe there are people that like it, but it, it's it's generally considered to be an old crafty <laughs> language. But what yeah. gives it its resilience is that it's just in use in so many places. Yeah. And if you think again, 70 to 80% of the web running on PHP, that sure for greenfield development when you're building something brand new you've got lots of choices but if you're an insurance company in Illinois that's been running this PHP server for you know 20 years or whatever um, you're probably going to stick with PHP and to me it just it just feels like there's way more opportunity than folks might recognize like one thing that it feels like all developers are pretty bad at universally. Maybe Adam Wadman is the exception, but uh, is marketing. Mm-hmm. And in almost every other category, all of the other categories are running on like marketing steroids. Like they are, mm-hmm. you know, they're showing up at people's doorsteps and saying, hey, do you have a PHP server? if you do maybe you should be considering this and i could do that for you for whatever and i it like even taylor <laughs> uh, um, i i mean he's done incredibly but you could push laravel a little bit more just to those millions of insurance companies that run on php yeah are
0: they insurance companies though I don't. I don't know. Maybe you know. In my mind, insurance companies are on C sharp or C or Java, and PHP is like, you know, the the eighty percent of the web being P, PHP is because, like, most of the web is WordPress sites and you know, mm-hmm. like CodeIgniter and old small stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking. I was thinking of Jake. Where does Jake? Jake works for Wilbur Group which is a, it's okay, a law firm, a law firm or something. Hmm. Yep. And how many people, let's just let's just look up Wilbur Group. Just like, Wilbur Group, how many people work for them? Uh, looks like it's privately held, but I think it's a fairly big company. And then I just extrapolate and go, well, how many Wilbur Groups are there? You can do this at Laricon, just walk around and ask people where they work. And it's like mostly just like you know boring industries or whatever, oh yeah, yeah, and to me, that's just like that that is good, that is good for business when a bunch of boring businesses need people like you to do the work, and i'm just I'm just guessing in my head that there's a lot more opportunity that maybe isn't being captured, like if you. Did outreach if you showed up at those boring companies and said, "What are you running on right now?" Oh, PHP three. Uh, maybe yeah. we should upgrade that. And maybe uh, all your developers are depressed. Why don't we get them all using Laravel? And like that would be an incredible contract, right? So what is this pitch like? If if
0: you let, let's say all the hunches are just facts, yes. like there are that many. People in PHP developers, they're all the insurance companies are on PHP. Mm-hmm. What is the what, what is what you're pitching? Am I an agency, a PHP agency who goes door to door to these companies and brings them up to speed? Am I uh, a marketer? Am I a blogger? Like, what is what? Where is the opportunity and who is it for?
2: I think it, it could be anything. It could be, you know, Adam Wadden going door to door saying, "Hey, I've got this thing called Tailwind," and. Developers seem to really like working with it. In fact, developers that uh, have typically been bad at the front end can use it. They can get mock-ups from a designer and turn those mock-ups into really nice-looking front ends.
0: This is funny because, like, mar- so, I mean, Adam's the first to say that, like, developers hate marketing. Mm-hmm. Like, hate marketers or hate feeling like, uh, like there's you know, they're being marketed, like to. they're being marketed to. So I, yeah, as a, uh, you know, I, I have my own things that I'm hustling mm-hmm. and I, I'm basically a door to door salesman for live wire. Yeah. Like I put out there, like I'll go to any meetup. I, I mean, I will, I'll speak at any meetup. I'll get on a call with anyone. Yeah. I'll help you with your stuff. Like I, I'm going to white glove you for free mm-hmm. because I'm <laughs> hustling this white like, glove.
2: You for free is the title of this episode. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh... Yeah, I get a lot of responses on that one. Yeah, so I'm I'm white-gloving dudes for free. And uh, yeah, so anyway, Mm -hmm. I I have so many thoughts to what you're saying, and I don't know if any of it's going to be on one track. But Mm -hmm. I'll say first, I don't feel like a PHP developer, so it's weird to hear you say things like PHP developer. Mm -hmm. I'm a Laravel developer. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the people in this group, that's kind of unique. Where like a Rails developer might be a Ruby developer mm-hmm. because it's bol- it's all in line. Mm-hmm. Laravel and PHP is a huge disconnect. So I'm a Laravel developer. I believe in Laravel. I'm excited about Laravel. I go to LaraCon. I will never go to a PHP conference. <laughs> like mm-hmm. any like Lone Star PHP. Sorry, whoever you know. Uh, I I forget. I lose track of them all. Sunshine. Any of the PHP things interest me 0%. Mm-hmm. Most PHP projects that are not Laravel packages interest me 0%. Yeah. It's just not in my blood at all, and I don't even care about it. So so either PHP... So I, I don't know what the takeaway there is exactly, but that is no doubt why Laravel is the way it is because I think I am the archetype in that way.
2: Yeah. If I was you, I would be going to PHP conferences
0: if you were interested in okay so then the next it's just point just is miserable though why? this is the thing
1: right
2: like
0: i i'd be like well why would i do that i don't want to
1: because uh, no, i'm not saying that isn't an industry i'm not saying someone can't make a good living doing that i just fuck them. i don't want to do <laughs> yeah, that. yeah but it sucks but,
2: <laughs> but what you're looking for are people who haven't seen the light yet you got a john the baptist that group they are they're, <laughs> they're, mm-hmm. they're like they have no idea what's out there they're you know they're they, Exactly what you said.
1: If PHP, but if you're going to be John the Baptist, you got to eat a lot of locusts, (laughs) and I am just not there. You know, someone else can eat the locusts. I'll be be John the Baptist for this for this (laughs) exercise.
2: Go on. So I would show up there.
1: Hey, it's Daniel, and I am just editing the show. At this point, our call got cut off, and we lost a little bit of Justin's question. But he essentially was asking Caleb who the user is who's going to be interested in livewire back to it
0: yeah i mean they would either be um th- they would be developers that don't use the big fancy tools for the front end and their front end suffer mm-hmm. and livewire would give them the ability to make their front ends more interactive using the skill set they already have okay um that would be I don't want to assign percentages of who of what like what percentage of the quote unquote market is that person. I think the other person is a uh, a zeitgeist developer. That's what I'm going to call like the developer who just goes with like all the things that are currently the hotness, mm-hmm. like me. And mm-hmm. they went hard into Vue and Webpack and that whole world. And they've either been burnt or they're um, starting to you know realize like. How much buying it requires, how much extra work there is, and a tool like LiveWire sort of allows them to have the best of both worlds and step step down from the ledge.
2: What what can you tell me? How they would be burnt? Like why? What would burn somebody in that position?
0: Yeah, so I'll tell you a, a brief story that I've never shared <laughs> publicly. Oh yes, that this is. I think it's basically the reason I left my first real programming job. Okay. Um, which I had for a while, and I started as like a consultant, and I rose the ranks, and and that's a whole fascinating thing, uh, just for this topic of like why I rose the ranks, and I think it's pretty much because I had a Laracast subscription, and it was just <laughs> like, because they they were, I mean, this is a ten year old PHP app, mm-hmm. and they were all you know they barely you know knew how to program like object oriented PHP anyway yeah. So I just came in and knew all the new words Yeah, and that, which to your point, I think that's a lot of the conversation in Slack is like people in PHP who've been there a while know it's kind of old and know they're kind of old. And when somebody comes along and says, this is what's new, this is what everybody's doing, that wins. And Laravel is that and has been that for a while. That's right. And and I've witnessed it at every place I've worked because every place I've worked has started off being code igniter or raw PHP mm-hmm. and has eventually turned into mostly Laravel. Yeah. Um so at my job, so tangent, but now this is this is the story about why people get burned or why I describe it as burned Yeah. Um I because of Laracast, I got into Vue. Yeah. Uh because like Laracast introduced me to View and Vue is awesome. It it like spoke to me. I loved it. It was easy enough to like learn. React was too hard for me. I tried that in Angular, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Vue was great. And I it it eats up your whole front end like so before you know it your entire front end is all Vue.js. yeah and and so they, they gave me this opportunity like we're gonna do this new startup and you're gonna be the guy like you're just gonna run the show you know that like not business wise but I'll do all the tech and whatever so I'm like all right well Laravel and Vue that's the current Zeitgeist stack like it's gonna be Laravel and Vue and I built it that way and uh, fast forward maybe five months when we're about to launch. I had to implement a form with a file upload, with like a, a avatar upload for the users. Okay, yeah. And normally, uh, form like file uploads and p, have you ever done a file upload?
2: No, I mean I've. Do- okay. I mean I've as a user I have, but I've never implemented right. one. Yeah.
0: Okay. There's a te- you know the input tag. Yeah. HTML input type text. Yeah. There's input type file. Yes. And that's it. So if you have HTML and CSS. And a Laravel app. Yeah. If you want to implement a file upload, you do input type file. That's it. Really? The user gets a little like choose file button and they click it and they hit a file and then they hit submit. And then you get it just with all the other form data in the back end. It's super easy. Laravel makes it cake. Interesting. So So that's a crazy
2: simple. That's a thing that Laravel implemented. Like all you need to do is have a form element. Like this, and then
0: I mean, that's native browser stuff. Yeah, Laravel knows how to receive the file on the back end, which is nice. Yes, but but if this is just like file uploads are easy if you use the browser's file upload utility, yes, you know, and so this is the way it's been done forever. And because I chose to use Vue, and everything was JavaScript, and every form submission is an Ajax request. Mm-hmm. I got to this thing, I'm like, how do I submit a file over an Ajax request? Mm-hmm. And it brought me down this big rabbit hole and it took me a couple of days. I learned about form data objects in JavaScript, base 64 encoding, side loading, like upload it first and then tell the front that it's uploaded to show a preview image. And clip. like all of these things that would have just not existed as problems became big problems. Here's the kicker. I'm on a call and the CTO says, why he like held me to the fire in front of everybody because of this he's like file upload should take you know i wasn't even on the call i heard about this there was some like high up meeting even worse he said the cto in this meeting said caleb took four days to get a to get this form done because of a file file uploads take me five minutes and that's literally what he said and Mm -hmm. the CTO just had that ringing in her head oh like he he could do that in five minutes and this took why is he our you know why Mm -hmm. is he the guy Doing this basically, yeah. And so, anyway, and that led to my demise. And basically, I had to quit because I was getting in all these, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. So that, that's perfect. That, that is it. That that, that is, is being burned.
2: That is perfect. That story, like, it, you already do some of this already. I think you're the fact that you do videos where you're super pumped up about what you're creating is already the kind of the work that you should be doing. Because if you're a developer who's been in that position and understands that pain of, oh, great, somebody over top of me was a real jerk and in a high-level meeting questioned you know the way I did things, uh, how can I not experience that pain again? If there's a way to get out of that, if there's a way to jump over that pain, then I'm going to figure that out and that's what i'm going to do next time right
0: yeah i mean i have to think about that so you're you're saying that like the the i'm wondering if i would experience that emotional connection if that's why i would be drawn like you you may be saying so person a gets burnt Mm -hmm. talks about it publicly person b has been burnt and goes i know what that's like i want to not be burnt
2: yes but so what you're i think People that want to get traction for their thing, whatever you're building, the way that you do it is similar to the way a comedian articulates these things that people feel but have never been expressed outwardly. So most of what's funny is that catharsis of being in the audience and then they're saying something that you felt but you've never articulated and you immediately have a connection with them. Oh my God. I thought I was the only one or whatever. Right. And I think so much of, uh, kind of being a a technical evangelist is like that. It's just saying, um, and I think Taylor does this well. I think Adam does this well. It's saying, you know, you're, you've probably experienced something like this or just talking through their own experience, you know, I've got a very low pain threshold is what they always say. And I was trying to figure out this. And as soon as I ran into this, I had to fix it. And so I did. And just sharing that story over and over again, uh, eventually people go, oh, yeah, like that's, I I want to figure that out, right? I want to get over that pain. Uh, they understand my daily grind. And this looks like a better way to go, right? This looks like a solution to... A possible solution to my problem
1: you know what i think is something that we're not necessarily talking about so i think with with a lot of products or markets like switching away from one thing and to another Mm -hmm. thing um you just switch like the trello example Mm -hmm. right you just switch you move all your tasks and then now you're now you're using a different thing Mm -hmm. right if i have an app that I've owned as a company for 10 years, and it's written in like procedural PHP mm-hmm. or Code Igniter or something, right? Mm-hmm. I can't just switch to Laravel, mm-hmm. right? I can like make the organization level decision that like new features are going to be written in Laravel on a subdomain in a separate yep. app, you know, or whatever. But like, you, it, this, the switching cost for, for an existing app is really high, and mm-hmm. so one thing that kind of stuck in my mind is when you ask Caleb, "What would someone be switching from to Livewire?" Mm-hmm. Like there, there's not a lot of like, I mean, I guess there there are places where like you could rewrite a component as a Livewire component that was previously a view component, mm-hmm. um, but it seems unlikely to me that there's someone who's got an app that is in production in the wild as a view app. And they're going to switch that to a LiveWire app as like a, an epic in Jira. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems a lot more likely to me that they're going to realize that they've gotten out of hand with their Vue app and they're going to start writing LiveWire components instead of writing Vue components when they're adding new features because those LiveWire components don't add to their great JavaScript front end technical debt. And then maybe over time they start refactoring out old components back to LiveWire mm-hmm but i've been brought into so many projects in the middle where it's like this project has existed for years and it sucks mm-hmm. and we want it to be good now mm-hmm. um and it's just the switch is really expensive yeah you know um and so i think laravel has done a really good job at getting people who were already php developers and we're about to start a new Git repo mm-hmm. <laughs> that was going to live for five years mm-hmm. to install Laravel in that brand new Git repo. Yeah. The next market is the longstanding applications that are not going to be a new Git repo mm-hmm. and are going to have to slowly and meticulously be like Laravelified. That's right. Yeah. Um, and, like, we... I mean, Karani, which is, like, a Titan-owned uh, SaaS app, um, was a CodeIgniter app at one mm-hmm. point. Still is, And right? is it... there is CodeIgniter code in I it. I think
0: that's key to this point. Go on.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, is, like, Titan is Titan. Mm-hmm. And it has existed for a long time. And CodeIgniter has been actively worked on the entire time to some yeah. extent. Not always... Not always with a lot of developers, not always with tons of hours, but it's been five years and there's still code igniter code in the Karani code base yeah. and it's us. And what we do is get people out of that situation professionally, yes, yes. <laughs> you know?
2: I mean, there can be, what I like about this conversation is that we're starting to yeah. think and observe how people make decisions. Yeah. And so, I mean, I've been in meetings where hmm. the CTO says, I can't hire anybody. Nobody wants to work here. And in those conversations, what gets brought up? So we were uh, uh, .NET, we were .NET app. And what I said is, I think we're going to have a hard time finding new young recruits that want to work in .NET. We're going to probably have to switch to something more exciting. And Mm -hmm. even if it's just going from ASP.NET to uh, you know, uh, C-sharp w- w- MVC or whatever it was, Dot .NET MVC. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was the trigger that cascaded it into a bunch of decisions. And we just made a bunch of decisions there. We just pointed the boat in a new direction. And those conversations are happening all the time. It could be a conversation around hiring. Uh, you know, if we want to hire The best we've got to hire people that like Caleb, like sometimes that's a that's an exaggeration, but that's sometimes the conversation that's happening, right? If if Mm -hmm. you want to get new recruits that are super excited and you want to get some more energy in this company, then you're gonna have to hire folks that uh, are really excited about Tailwind, and. It might not be like that all the time. But to me, it just seems like there's tons and tons of opportunity all over the place. Even, like, I noticed that Flare is using, are they using LiveWare for their status app?
0: I don't know. Something, event, Eventio? Eventio? Trees uh, D- so, Vince's new app? I don't know if Flare uses it. So how it. did I find this? Oh, the status page. Yeah, right. Oh
2: dear, status pages. Uh, yeah. Da, 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 so, and... Livewire. Oh, no, you were saying that this would be easier to do in Livewire. And people build status pages all the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's like a project that people use. And that's like your first in. Oh, we used it for the status page and we loved it. It's so much like, even mm-hmm. if all it does is make the employee more happy because they're learning something new or they get mm-hmm. to learn from somebody that's excited about it even that might be enough of, uh, we call in in business world, we call this a job to be done. It's the reason why people Mm -hmm. hire a product to do a job in their life. And often those jobs are emotional. Like, I just want to use Laravel because I want to quit feeling like shit when Mm -hmm. I go to work. I just want to use Vue because there's all these emotional reasons people use these things. And all I'm saying is that if you have something for sale or you have something that you want to get traction, it's those kind of emotional jobs to be done that you have to start picking up on. And that's what you start speaking to. Oh wait, it look it sounds like the people that use livewire, they're almost like 8 times out of 10 they're in this situation. And if you can figure out that where that is, that's that's kind of the key. To getting to getting yeah. some traction. Hmm. So many thoughts,
0: Mr. Jackson. So, yeah. Decisions. I like that
1: you just think about things this way. We don't think about things this that way. And here's why much. I don't think
0: about them because and th- this yeah. is this is perfect. We're gonna host a caricature battle, <laughs> uh, like my caricature and maybe Daniel's. I don't know. Like in this in in this corner mm-hmm. is the developer who hears things all of those marketing type things mm-hmm. and thinks um not good mm-hmm. the reason i think that is like <laughs> when so in my mind it's like well i need to make sure that livewire is actually great mm-hmm. you know like actually great yeah and that people actually use it and find it really useful. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a, a part of my position in in being sort of a, a struggling marketer for LiveWire mm-hmm. is that I it's a constant battle of confidence every single day. I flip back and forth between, like, I don't want to tell people. Even on this podcast, mm-hmm. I started out by not wanting to talk about LiveWire. And I still am like, why are we, let's talk about Laravel. Mm. Because if I'm talking about LiveWire, like, I have to be the one who's going rah rah Livewire? there's some like i have to defend it and i i don't want to uh laravel i can talk about objectively mm-hmm. like here we could talk about laravel but livewire is like close to home mm-hmm. and i don't like i've had these moments the past couple weeks of being like i don't want to have built a thing i want to and this i want to be someone who is famous for uh teaching about other yeah. tools because you can be way more objective mm. once it's your thing I I never want to be caught red handed in prescribing something because I own it. Yeah. You know, and it seems like no matter what you do, the amount of effort it takes to go in one direction, Mm -hmm. it it could be the wrong direction and you'll never know. And or you might know when you've already put all that effort in and you should have been in the other direction or there is no true right direction. But you're always I don't know. I I see that. And here's. Go ahead.
1: Here's another, here's another thing, right? Is like as programmers, we've all built things, right? And we've built things that we knew were fine but not great, mm-hmm. right? And we knew that like they could have been great if they'd given us more time or more money or whatever. But like what we ended up launching was fine. Mm-hmm. And then we've been in the company and there's been a marketing guy who has gone and lied to people and told them it was yes. great you know, and told them it had features it didn't have or that it was going to have features that it wasn't going to have and that it was going to solve problems it wasn't going to solve. And that's, I think, why developers are so just like resistant to making marketing promises Mm -hmm. is that usually in companies, there's marketing people who oversell the thing that you've sure. built and the thing that you've built is never allowed to be good enough just on its face yes. it always has to be sold as more than it is mm-hmm. um and so because of that we're very cynical mm-hmm. um and w- we see everything that's being sold to us as a lie mm-hmm. right like because everyone over markets their mm-hmm. shit nothing is ever marketed as a little bit less than it actually mm-hmm. is you know everything's always marketed as a little bit more than it actually is and because we've made that sausage mm-hmm. we know uh we know there's at least you know some sprinkling of bullshit mm-hmm. in there and we just don't know how big the sprinkling <laughs> yeah. is right. or you, you know? Do
0: know that's the worst part and why <laughs> yeah it's so or you know for sure doesn't know you know the cobwebs yeah, yeah.
2: so can we just back up to one? you said yeah um you said I'm scared about going. I think Caleb, you said this. I'm scared about going in one direction because it could be the wrong direction. When you say that, are you saying that you're you're worried that maybe the live wire approach isn't the best approach, or are you saying something different?
0: Yeah. So when I say that, um, well, I'll say that my main the main point I wanted to make was that was the feeling of having having started something and it being your initiative mm-hmm. and hustling it and marketing it yeah. and the constant struggle of confidence and of, of having a clear conscience and repping something that, you know, is worth repping and how I mm-hmm. often like sometimes I'm on fire for it mm-hmm. and other times I'm not. Yeah. And I don't want to tell people about it. Yes. And I don't want people liking it. Mm. And other times, I think that's the main point I wanted to make. Why,
2: why don't you want people liking it though? Cause you don't feel good about it.
0: If I don't feel great about it, I don't want people liking it yet, basically, in my mind. Gotcha. Like, I wish that this person did not discover this right now, because if only I could fix X, Y, and Z. Mm. Or as soon as it becomes this and this and this, then, you know, they'll see it and they'll go, oh. Gotcha. You know.
2: So, I think a lot of that is um, wasted cycles. (laughs) Because, so I'll just tell a really brief story. I've been fairly good at sharing my journey as I've gone along and done different things. Mm -hmm. And um, when I decided to launch Transistor with John, I Mm -hmm. kind of revealed everything. Every week I read a blog post about this is what's hard. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what we're trying to do. Every week we would record a podcast. This is what we're trying to do. We argued about some things. Uh, There's times where, you know, I'm running out of money and I'm just, trying to figure stuff out and, but I was never um, scared to share what was going on. I also wasn't scared to use, um, not use, but connect with the people that I'd connected with all through my history. And so at one point when I was having kind of a panic attack about like, what am I going to do? Like we're, we're, you know, we were at, I don't know, a couple grand a month in MRR. And I'm running out of money and I'm running out of patience and I just emailed David Hanemar Hansen and that was a connection I had before but me asking him for his advice and being okay like swallowing my ego and being okay with like reaching out to him going listen like I'm just totally I don't know what to do right now Hmm. and him replying back Hmm. and then he is now invested in my story, not just him, but there's like lots of people that are invested. They're cheering for me they're, they're because I'm trying to be as open and honest as I can about the journey. And by the time we launch, there's all of these folks that are rooting for us, including some people with pretty sizable audiences. And in the beginning that really helped like the, all of those connections that we'd made with folks That the fact that they had, you know, been along for the journey meant that, you know, like when Basecamp was ready to switch their podcast from their old host to someone else, David immediately thinks of us because he emailed me some advice three months ago. Right. And I think Mm. the point of that story is that one of the advantages, especially independent developers have, is you can just share the journey. Like, here's the journey I'm on. Here's what I'm scared of. Here's like, you can just put it all on the table. And I've personally found that um, it takes away my anxiety because now I'm not hiding anything. I'm not trying to be yeah. better or more or anything. Right. And I think, to be honest, I think this is like, because sometimes I wonder, like you've got all these cynical PHP programmers. How come like... Taylor doesn't just get a ton of hate for being successful. From who? From PHP developers.
0: Okay, I think he does. I
2: think he gets some.
0: Like what? Why would they hate him? Because like like are we talking like a working PHP developer who's like, why is this guy so rich? Yeah. Or-
2: yeah, exactly.
1: Okay. I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm talking about like for being rich, but I think I'm talking about like for Laravel being successful. Yes. Right? And they're like, why is the thing that's bad so successful when the thing that's good, which uh, is okay. whatever my bad framework is? No, I'm
2: talking about personal success. And yeah. Yeah. what's fascinating to me is I think he okay, he, yeah. he kind of engenders a lot of community support because he's always just been really open. He's always said, I'm not the best programmer in the world. I'm just a guy that's trying to make better tools for people like us. I've been there. I worked for a trucking company that, you know, did weird development work in .NET. And I know what it's like to live in a small apartment with your wife and kid. All of that story and revealing that part of the journey, uh, I think ends up being helpful. And so I think it solves some of your problem, which is like Taylor's never thought of any of this as marketing, but it does like some of the anxiety you're talking through right now is like, I don't know if this is good. Like today I hate this. And I think it's okay to sometimes just tweet like today I hate this because of this or whatever, but it's also uh you know on the on the good days where you're like you know what i finally solved it this is the perfect application for livewire like if you are building a status page your next one should be in livewire in fact i'm going to show you how in three steps and all of a sudden that becomes interesting and so yeah i i don't i don't know if that does that land at all it's or? a
0: perfect point like you it the the only relief that I find, I won't say only, but a, a big source of relief from all the tensions of being of being invested in something, basically, um, and trying to make it. Like I quit my job in January and wanted to just try to make it on my own. Like that was my goal, mm-hmm. um, and I've realized how freaking hard that is. Yeah, <laughs> and and as a side point, when I hear like w- why people don't hate Taylor, and I I think like I f- I look at Adam and Taylor mm-hmm. as both it like unbelievably successful and it gets in my head because they're so close to me. Mm-hmm. Like because Adam is like I'll, I'll say a peer. I, I think he's brilliant mm-hmm. but but it's not like I'm looking at DHH like oh well yeah that's DHH but this is Adam Weth, you know, I saw he worked for the same company I worked for, yeah. you know. So you see that and anyway, I I see them and but my thought I wouldn't I never am jealous or anything like that and I imagine most people feel the same way of not hating them because I think They got, they deserve every penny they got. Mm -hmm. They don't owe anything to anyone. Mm -hmm. They deserve every freaking penny. And that's what I love about this, this world that it's, that's like a meritocracy, Mm -hmm. which I know is kind of a loaded term, but in my mind, that's my favorite thing is like, D. Cole's just chomping at the bit, (laughs) but for real, like, it's like, come at it with what you can do. Like put, the more you put into it, the better you are, the more you're going to make, the better you're going to be received, you know? So just- and the people who are at the top i don't nobody doubts that they all deserve every penny that they got you know yeah in a which in is, a way
2: in in another way they just stumbled into a good
0: market so in some ways there there's definitely a,
2: a ma- yes absolutely the, and i think that part is which is fine that that that's the the idea like if sure if you are building something like i don't again i don't know much about livewire if livewire is just a something that just doesn't have it, like it's not something that people want to switch to right now um, maybe it will be sometime in the future it's going to be harder for sure or if there's not a big group of people already using something else and livewire is clearly better or not, it doesn't even need to be better. Like Transistor, is Transistor really the best podcast hosting platform? Like people have- Simplecast (laughs) is the best, actually. (laughs) People have so much choices. Now, some people choose us because they've just been following along the journey. And when their boss says in a meeting, hey, we need to host a podcast somewhere, what have you guys heard of? And you know Janet's been listening to our podcast from day one, she's gonna mention Transistor. And the only reason they're hiring Transistor is because they've been along for the journey. People are motivated by tons of different things. But uh, I, I think that, like, Laravel is successful because there are tons of PHP developers that want their job to be better. Right?
1: Yep. Yes.
2: Uh, refactoring UI is successful because there is even an even bigger group of developers yeah, for sure. who want to get better at front-end development, right?
0: Yep, yeah, at design. At
2: design, yeah. And, and and so it makes sense in retrospect to go, oh, yeah, like how many developers right now are thinking, man, I wish I could design? Well, th- that happens all the time. And you, there's evidence that they've tried things. You know, I don't know if you remember, my friend Jared Drysdale wrote a book called Bootstrapping Design. That was a huge success when he released it. Um, And so Adam is really just building on this momentum that existed. There's this big wave. There's this big group of people that clearly want a better life and they're willing to, you know, invest in it. Spend money to get it.
1: Yeah. And so. I think, I think Livewire can fill a similar role to that. Right. And I don't want to like position your product for you, but like, I think like I think there is an extent to which like there are PHP developers who just don't like writing JavaScript. You know, they don't like going from the world of test coverage and you know what feels like a solid backend where I've got PHP unit tests that check everything, and you know I'm in I'm in whatever. Uh, php storm or you know whatever and i've got all my key bindings and everything you know and i'm gonna what go and write view now and like the map function behaves differently and i have to use dots instead of arrows and you know i have to worry about webpack and compilation and all this stuff there are people who just don't like doing it Mm -hmm. and because of that end up doing some weird hacks with like form inputs and stuff which i know you've done caleb (laughs) but like The weird, like, oh, I'm going to, like, use this post endpoint, so I'm going to make a form with a hidden input so that this button actually creates a post Mm -hmm. request or something like Mm -hmm. that, you know? And, like, LiveWire does fill that hole, I think, of, like, you know what? Why don't you just do this instead of doing the JavaScript thing?
2: Yeah. Uh, By the way, I think getting other people to describe your project for you is a good technique. Adam Wadden reaches out to me all the time. And he's basically saying like why why do you want to use they're working on these tailwind components? Why do you want to use them? And then he just listens to me uh-huh. talk. Now, obviously it's not just enough to talk to me. But I have a very specific use case where like tailwind components make me feel like I have a superpower I didn't have before because I you know, I've struggled for years with putting up websites together and these i can feel like i can just slot in and then i can customize them and it looks pretty good right i built my first end-to-end like completely templated website using statomic and tailwind and it was like it felt like i I mean i could have died that day i and been happy (laughs) like that that experience is incredible and a lot of my enthusiasm has been contagious, right? Like my friend Paul Jarvis just built a website using Statomic and Tailwind. It's John Buda, my partner, who's the grumpiest guy in the world when it comes to switching to things, at first he's like, Tailwind, nah, it looks, nah, no, never. And then lately he's like, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm going to rebuild the dashboard in Tailwind, right? Mm-hmm. The, those moments matter. And to your point... Decoll, can I call you Decoll?
1: <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way.
2: <laughs> to your point, if there is a sizable group of people who are grumpy about uh, JavaScript or JavaScript, uh, like Ben Ornstein is like this. Do you know? Do you guys follow him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ruby on yeah, Rails yeah. developer hates the front end. It's like an ongoing joke, right? He he is he he always says, "Well, one of these days, maybe I'll figure out JavaScript." How many other developers are there in the world that are Ben Ornstein level that are saying the same thing? And if there's a a group of them that are saying the same thing and are looking for a space, like something different, like, okay, I could go this way and just learn Vue or learn React or whatever. Or I could go, instead of going right, I'll go left. And what are the options over there? And if Livewire is sitting there, Maybe that's a good option. Yeah,
1: why not?
0: Why not? Absolutely. Um, I I went off on a tangent to affirm your point <laughs> that uh, there's so many good things to talk about. It's fine that we're not on one track. Mm-hmm. So I'll just I'm like keeping little hooks to make sure that the, the things get picked up. You were giving me a talk on. Uh, you were you were telling me about your story of. Um, being open and honest mm-hmm. you know and you you are like an extremely transparent um, public person mm-hmm. from what I know like what your your Laracon talk mm-hmm. was awesome Oh, thanks um and that I mean that really was it was a special talk if anybody's listening hasn't seen it I'm sure it's online just go look at at uh, Justin's talk um he was totally transparent yeah I've thought about it uh, I actually think about it somewhat often hmm. and you recently posted posted some posts i don't know i read something by you anyway i get the vibe uh you're you you act what you're speaking to me like mm-hmm. um yeah so you're right and i was gonna say that i some of the best relief i found in this whole journey of like vouching for something and being invested in something This like the war of art mm-hmm. you know of like creating and and that whole like battle scene mm-hmm. the most relief that i've found is in throwing it all away and being being ready to lose it all mm-hmm. and in being completely open and honest with myself, with everyone else, If usually the pain is because I'm afraid of something. And if I, I mean, this sounds so cliche, but if you walk into the fear, if I say, okay, let's entertain every fear that LiveWire is not the best tool for X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z and go at it truly being willing to say that Livewire is not the best, even being willing to abandon the project yeah. or to, you know, responsibly abandon the project. You know, like I said mm-hmm. that, I'm hearing people be like, wait, what? <laughs> but but for real, like even to the point of, of like if I'm truly, if I'm after the objective best way as I see it, not the actual objective, but as I see yeah. it, I can't go wrong. It's when I get loaded with fear and suspicion, when everything starts to become cloudy and, and muddled, and I have to have these rechecks, even just in this conversation mm-hmm. now was a was a course correction for me. I literally, literally wrote down, "Be open, underscore, and then I wrote down right under it, "Just be open." That is so key.
2: I mean, you don't have to do it this way. This is just it, it's worked for me because it, it it relieves that pressure of feeling like you have to be a rock star all the time. Like, I'm just not a rock star. I'm just a normal guy who's trying to make progress in these ways. And that's it. And today I tried something and it didn't work. And tomorrow I'll try something and maybe it will work. Um, I think that foundation is helpful.
0: Agreed. Agreed. There.
1: So interesting. So, uh, There's. Speak, D Cole. I'm gonna tell one short story. Please. There's this job interview I went on one time uh, with a large uh, sports equipment manufacturing company based in Baltimore, Maryland. I don't know uh, if you've heard of them, <laughs> but uh, they're large and it's not Nike. It's not Adidas. It's the other one. Um, so anyway, I, uh, I went in for this job interview and I had like done the, the phone interview and the whatever. And uh, I went, I had been looking for jobs because I was like mad at my boss because of something. Right. And I was like, screw this guy. I'm going to look for jobs and blah, blah. So I go to this job interview. The night before the job interview, I realize what I'm doing. Right? And I realize like I am mad. I resent this guy because I feel like he didn't do the thing I wanted him to do. Blah blah blah. And so I'm feeling underappreciated. And so I want to go get a job to prove that I have worth. Right? Uh and I just want I don't even care about the job. I don't want to work for large sports company i don't want to make this giant e-commerce site you know Mm -hmm. blah 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 but i went to the interview anyway because i almost didn't go and then i was talking to my buddy he was like dude just go like what's the worst that Mm -hmm. can happen you Mm -hmm. know now you don't want the job like now you can just go and apply for the the job
0: interviews Mm -hmm. yeah
1: and it was amazing so i was there for like seven hours or (laughs) whatever you know it was one of those things where they just kept bringing people in, and I didn't tell any of them that I didn't wow. want the job. Did they have free you know? food? And so, uh, yeah, they gave they gave me lunch. They gave me like coffee. They had like a kitchen, and too. I could just grab yeah. stuff. Yeah, I was just
0: hanging out. The you job know? interview where you don't want the job that that is such a beautiful
1: beautiful scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like ultimately, you know, I was kind of lost in my career. I didn't know what was possible for mm-hmm. me. You know, I was at that point where I was like, okay, I think I can write code now. But, like, I don't know where I go from here. Like, do I go become a manager mm-hmm. of some sort? Like, do I become, like, what do I do? What's my next move? And this guy who was the CTO of a large sports sports company um, sat with me for, like, an hour and a half. And he was the only person in that whole line of people who was like, I don't think you actually want this job. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, <laughs> go on. He was like, I think you're here because you wanted to see what – that might mm-hmm. look like i'm like okay go on he's like so i'm gonna tell you what my career looked like and he just sat down and just told me about his career from like the time he was like 22 or whatever t- to now he's like in his 50s he's the cto of like a giant multinational mm-hmm. corporation um i was like wow this is like y- you could pay thousands of dollars what a for gift. This, yeah you know and i was just sitting there talking to him and then at the end of it he was like all right now here's the deal here's the roles that are available on this team Duh, 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 duh. Any of those sound interesting to you? I was like, yeah, not really. He was like, I don't think so. Get out of here, you know. But uh, it was so cool because I would never have been able to get what I think was actually the ultimate value that I could have gotten out mm-hmm. of that day, yeah. were it not for the fact that I was willing to just have nothing yeah. happen. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that that and Caleb, I think, is better at this than more most people i've seen the willingness to just like literally just go all in and be like screw Mm -hmm. it whatever you know worst case scenario i'll be fine i can always get a job you know and and being willing Um, to just
2: leave it on the field like if it if it doesn't work then um and i I think and i think caleb's done this because you saved up some money before you you quit your job right Yeah. yeah i think that's usually the advice i give is if you are going to make a bat just make sure you have some money in the bank because <laughs> yeah. then there's not this pressure of like so many people are yeah. trying to build things. They're on this treadmill of trying to build things because they're like, it's gotta be this. Like if it's not this, I don't make rent next month. That's a terrible mm-hmm. position to be in. If you've got some money in the bank and you can just have the chance to try things out without that cognitive pressure yeah. of this has, to, if live wire doesn't succeed, then I'm nothing. Well, I mean, if Adam Wathen's, I don't know, sound plugin or whatever he built, you know, if he if he depended completely on that, then yeah, he wouldn't be where he is right now, right? Like if that's where the story ended, like it's got to be this sound plugin that I built. If it if this doesn't, you know, make all my money, then nothing else is going to work. Well, you can't go into it that way. You have to go into it thinking this might not work but i've got some cash in the bank i'm willing to bet some time and resources to see if it will work right and always keep your ears open because maybe along the way you stumble on something that just gets more traction and it's ultimately traction you're looking for like eventually you want people to be adopting and using and buying the thing in like every single day you open the door of your shop and there's people lined up, right? That's kind of what you want. And, uh, you might have to try a few things before you get to that point where you open up your door and there's like a bunch of people lined up ready to get to use or buy your thing.
0: Yeah, it's true. I, I think for like setting myself up Even though I set myself up with some money, I still felt um, all that urgency, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're describing. And it's pretty interesting looking back on where I was then and where I am now. I am so, I'm playing the long game. Like I've relaxed. I have calmed down. I am not putting my hopes in, like as much as I did, I I remember getting out there and being like, okay, I got to build an email list. Mm -hmm. I got to have, like, I was ready to do it. Like- Mm-hmm. going to do the um uh sorry fuck me <laughs> I'll <edit> this out. <laughs> so this is actually funny that we're tight adam taylor and jonathan Renning all messaged me in the past little bit <laughs> taylor just sponsored Livewire wire 100 bucks a month which is nice cool. Woo! yeah um and adam's like remind me about using up to use uh alpine with the tailwind ui stuff and i'm my head's exploding because that's like potentially these are all very good problems and i couldn't keep a straight brain reading that just this second okay and oh man i'll have to edit this fuck me okay um we already have like four edit points i know i guess who cares i'm i'm playing the long game basically i've slowed down a bunch i was i was betting on everything and all the things you're saying Mm -hmm. and and i've i've relaxed a ton and basically but the thing some of it's defense mechanisms. Some of it's going like, I have to set myself up to not have such high expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of it is also just not doing too much too soon. Like not over-marketing something before. This is These are lessons that I've personally learned. Yeah. So I, they might not apply to everything. But like, I think I wanted too much too soon. I marketed too heavily upfront. Mm-hmm. Like I'm now learning like, it's a long game. I have to build a, like a big community of people who really appreciate and work in this pr- it can't just be me mm-hmm. other people have to be invested in it mm-hmm. that takes a long time i can't just go to a hundred meetups speak at a conference launch it do all the big hype thing and then magically become rich and famous and the most successful developer yeah it's the long game and i've become very comfortable with the long game now it's just like one brick on the wall that's right another brick on the yeah wall.
2: it might be a five ten year project in, in the sense of right. that it might not even be live wire but the accumulation right. of all of that effort and all of those connections, and you know, it's
1: just and those people go with you from that's project right. To project. It's just
2: layer on layer on layer, and eventually, there might be some critical mass around something that you've done. And I think the mistake people make is that sometimes they just don't learn to read the signs early enough, um, like. If you're in a just a bad market, meaning, I don't know, like uh, scrapbookers, I don't know if that's still a good market but or a bad market, but like if I was going to say, if someone came to me and said, Evites. yeah, and said, which, which is a better market, um, scrapbookers or software developers? I'd say software developers. They've got... Way more disposable income. They are highly incentivized to make their <laughs> their lives better. People that keep telling me that developers don't buy things. I'm like, you you folks are crazy. Adam Adam you're, and you're Adam and Steve may have the most profitable independent publication ever published in the history of the <laughs> world. It's very possible. Yeah. That's that is because there's a good market there. So I think you're in a good market. The key now is to, to find something that really gets traction, to find something that people really want to use that makes their life so much better that they're willing to talk about it, that they're willing to share it with their friends, that they're willing to bring it up in a meeting and uh, you know, work on it on evenings and weekends try it out, and then eventually you get enough of those people, and then you've got a community, and then you can do a lot of things with uh, a community of people that are excited about something. Fact.
1: It's true. Facts only.
0: Justin, um, I, I want to ask you a, a handful of targeted questions sure. before we, we head out here. Um, what uh, Do you think that you have... Well first I'll ask do you make a full-time wage with Transistor? Yeah.
2: I've been full-time since April. And it started off okay. um it started off like writing myself a $5,000 check a month in April, but we okay. we are I'm I'm making the best money I've ever made in my life right now. Sick.
1: Okay. You published numbers recently, yeah. right? We, we ju- or, and I'm sure they've changed we, since we then. Just, but- we
2: just, um, we're no longer on like our open, our revenue numbers aren't public anymore. But I could tell uh-huh. you we're like
1: in the, for- the, we're in the 40 to 50K
2: MRR range.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I had, the last I had seen was 30K. So you guys are, you guys are yeah. still doing great.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, sweet. Um, do you feel like you've made it?
2: Um in the sense of did we build something that had enough traction that could provide a very good full-time income? Yeah.
1: Justin, I'm going to remind you you uh you woke up today and said screw it, I'm going <laughs> snowboarding before I record a podcast for my for my day yeah. today. That's that's what your day looked it's like true. today. It's so true. It, I'm gonna say you made it, bud. That's, that's been that's iterative.
2: You, but I don't wanna like to me <laughs> there's there's always something else. And and yeah. the my see, my wife thinks I'm crazy. But I told her I think a perfect life is to be constantly in pursuit of something and never quite make it. And then you die. It's like you're just always pursuing something and then you never quite make yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And so when she says like when the Spotify when Spotify acquired Gimlet for two hundred million, she's like, Would you would you and John sell? And I said, I don't know. She's like, What if they offered you two million? I'm like, No, I probably wouldn't. She's like, A million each, you wouldn't take that. I'm like, But then what would I do? Yeah. Would I
0: it's like the base cam thing. It's like DHH. Yeah, Jason, what what just would I do? I mean, wanting to continue working nine to five on base. Yeah,
2: eventually I might. I um, we I I mean, I think the possible acquirers for transistor are quite. There's not very many, and so we uh, the possibility for that to happen is whatever. But uh,
0: I guess I, I I agree. I believe the same thing. Um, but I think I think there's a lot of people, including myself, that like I'm doing what I want mm-hmm. right now in life um I finally hit that point, mm-hmm. but the money doesn't match. Mm-hmm. So I have to freelance, and also what I'm doing is not sustainable. So I either have to, you know, shit or get off the pot at some point, or you know, subsidize my own my own effort. I'm currently fish or cut
1: bait, if you will.
0: What's that? Fish or cut bait. <laughs> what does that mean? Fish or you either bait got a shit. fish or cut bait. Fish or cut bait. Yeah. Okay.
2: I'm glad um, you brought in some fish. So
0: a- anyway yeah right gotta do it i think um so i would think that in my mind like okay the making it for me is when this is really sustainable basically Mm -hmm. and then i will continue to pursue and continue to fight the war of art Mm -hmm. but so i wonder if 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 when you get there if when you get to the point where doing what you want to do is funding your life do you have that feeling that you've made it or is it the hedonic treadmill? Like, is it immediately replaced with a new... No,
2: not for me, uh, not for me, because, I I mean, this is what I've said before. I, I said, okay, let's say that someone acquired my company. What would I do with my time? Well, the perfect life to me is going to my favorite coffee shop in the morning and hanging out and talking to a bunch of people and maybe doing some writing And then coming to the office and doing some work here, and then, you know, if 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 there's a chance to snowboard, I do that, and if there's a chance to bike, I do that. Like that's kind of like what I want to do. I want to podcast. I want to write. I want to, and so, in in that sense of like, do I wake up every day and do I like what I'm doing? Yeah. And and once, the the big change for me was when I went from a launch based revenue, uh, like launching a new course every quarter, right, to right. Uh, recurring revenue. Yeah. Um, launch based revenue works if if you have uh, it, like, like the Adam Wathen effect. If you make a bunch of money all at once and then it keeps making money, you know, month after month and you don't have to keep launching. Yeah, the long yes. tail. The long yes. tail launch. And there's Their long tail is really good. But for us, like to build something that, you know, we know that last month we made this much and the next month we're going to make a little bit more, that is so calming. And like when my dad visited in the summer, he was like, You are so calm. I've never seen you so calm. So I think that part has been a big change for sure. Just the calmness of, knowing that this is sustainable, right? But that this has been a... Yep. This has been a... When did I, I... I I came back into tech in 2008. So this has been a long project. <laughs> it's yep. a, a long journey. But I knew from the beginning kind of what I... the The kind of life I wanted to live. And so every, you know, remote job gives you a little bit more freedom. And then you just keep kind of notching up until you're at the point where, okay, now I'm actually doing what I want to do. Are you happy? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you think about your own happiness?
2: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit. (laughs) Because because there's, there's tension in all of these ideas. Like... uh, Probably the uncomfortable. I don't know. I don't know if you have to be unhappy a bunch of years in order to get there. (laughs) Hmm. Maybe that's the hard truth. It's like you just have to be like deeply dissatisfied with everything for a long time. Um, And I think there's better ways to get here (laughs) than what I did. Uh, Like, like I said, I think saving money before you embark on a project. I think it helps if you don't have dependence. I think it helps yeah. if you're younger, uh, all of those things help. So it, there's, there was a bunch of years in there where I was not happy <laughs> to get here. Yeah. But, uh, and even that, I mean, that's, uh, overall, I would say I'm content most days and, okay. uh, the there's things i'm dissatisfied about but that's what you live for you want to like wake up and go okay what what am i gonna what am i gonna do today
0: do you find yourself do you struggle with family and friend engagements that all are separating that life like being a founder having a project that you could just you know sink your teeth into and apply yourself to and you're probably everything you hear goes to the filter of like how can i apply this to mm-hmm. this to transistor, like how can how can I, you know, I'm sure there's that constant thought process. How much does that bleed into the other more like off work type stuff? Is it a struggle for you? Do you turn your brain off night after five p.m.? Are you laying at night thinking about transistor things? Yes, sometimes,
2: but way less. And I, I think this is one reason I've been so focused on the market you choose determines most of your growth, because there there just are some customers that are easier to reach, more profitable, take out their wallet easier, have better distribution channels. And a lot of the stress, like when you work for a bad boss, you know how you've, you've both worked for bad bosses? Most of that is because they're just in a bad business, right? And then they download that stress onto you. But if if you're building everything on a foundation where it's just a good business like there's a lot of demand and once you crank that flywheel or whatever and you get it going it just kind of keeps going cynically i used to think well that just doesn't exist life is just a grind it's always hard you wake up it's always stressful you know this is just the 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 punishment you have to put yourself through it's not true <laughs> there's just there's just some markets and products and things you can focus your time on that are better than others in the same way
1: that well some people can well right? i think
2: everybody can over time in the same way that if you're working for a, a bad job you can go
1: right, but someone has to do the bad jobs uh sure yeah. there will always be yeah. bad jobs yeah. right like i want to i want to like stray away from the like There's a certain type of like law of attraction talk or whatever Mm -hmm. that gets bandied around, where it's like that everyone can have these sort of passive income jobs. I don't think that. I don't think that at all. I, I don't. I know you don't. I just for the listener, I want to clarify. Like if you know, you should you should strive to be the happiest you mm -hmm. can be, but also realize that like there's dignity at all work.
2: Sure. I think this goes back to uh, have you have you heard of James Clear? The the author, he Uh, he wrote this book book called Atomic Habits, and I kind of met him when I was really down and cynical, and I was like, okay, let me get this straight, James. You're saying, because he has this saying, that um, every action you take is a vote for the kind of person you want to become. So uh, getting better at something isn't like a mindset, it's just waking up... Mm -hmm today and saying I'm going to go to the gym for an hour and then waking up the next day and saying I'm going to go to the gym for an hour and then over a month all of a sudden you're a gym goer and that becomes a part of your identity and along the way you get better at going to the gym right and I was cynically saying okay so you're saying that if I'm a five-foot-eight Canadian if I start practicing basketball today and then I practice basketball tomorrow and I do that for two three years I'm gonna be better than Michael Jordan And he's like, no, you're not Mm going to do that. But for sure, you would get better at basketball. (laughs) You'd be significantly better at basketball. And I think in the Mm -hmm. same way, it works with anything. So you want a bad job. You're dissatisfied about your job. Well, if all you do is sit around and complain about how bad your job is, for sure, that will just get reinforced. Your actions are reinforcing your situation. But if you got up tomorrow and you said, okay, well, I'm going to do an interview this week and I'm going to do an interview next week. I'm going to make some connections. I'm going to go to some meetups. I'm going to do these micro actions over time. Eventually your life will get better. It's maybe you won't get to, you know, that benchmark you had, you have in your mind, but over time, especially if you're the kind of person who enjoys the journey over time, you'll just, it'll things will just get better. Like there's, and Sure. Like I said, I started this project probably 10, 15 years ago. And the there there is something about just, okay, how can I make this better? How can I make this better? How can I make this better? And what am I going to do about it? Not just think about it. Um, and in that sense, you kind of... I, what I like about that is it feels like I at least have some control. <laughs> right? I can decide yeah. if I'm going to play... Sonic the Hedgehog today on my Sega or am I going to go out and mm-hmm. try to do something? And um, yeah, in some ways that's what like being at Laracon that's what inspired me because I kept meeting all these people who you know I, I've been using computers since 1985 and they just started using computers three months ago and they had already written their own their own Laravel app because they just got started they just st- started coding every day and the, before you knew it they had something up right and, and so yeah. the, a lot of my efforts lately are just like every day I'm going to do something about it
1: yeah <laughs> I like it
0: dude I'm wondering I, I, uh, it's, a, it's a great answer um, Decol has has particular problems with like uh um, with like do better type type um uh whatever we we don't have to get into it right now we could spend I mean, another hour we could on spend that. a whole yeah, other yeah. hour like I um, mean that's what that's anyway. what I like
2: about the show is that you two are actually way more philosophical to me than you are uh, technical you're you're always just philosophizing
0: <laughs> yeah man um. Okay, so I, I, the last question I asked you was how, like, you know, the, the work-life separation thing, does it bleed into, yeah. you know, so I want to frame it in a different mm-hmm. way, because you answered it as if I asked, and and correctly, that, um like, does the stress of it mm. all leak in, but I want to know, does the excitement of it all leak in, like, the positive things, the things where you're just so amped about something or interested in a problem, yeah. Where and I'll just say that with Livewire and with all of my stuff, I'm noticing this problem that didn't exist mm-hmm. before where I have to like really try hard to turn off the wheels and the excitement and the, all this yeah. stuff that just wants to bleed into the rest of the That is my a life.
2: definite thing. I, I noticed this. I listened to all these bootstrapping podcasts, and almost everybody who's bootstrapping right now has a hard time sleeping mm. because that, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Is it cortisol that? like wakes you up it makes you super
1: um melatonin no melatonin is
2: the one that puts you to sleep isn't it uh,
0: yeah th- at least that's th- what it's marketed as
1: well no caffeine that's what mel- you're
0: thinking of the one
1: that wakes you up i think your brain actually produces melatonin before you wake up in the uh, morning I-, I thought it was cortisol. Right, I could be wrong uh, don't you dose on, melatonin I- Cole? you're like you're
0: an
2: insomniac
1: yeah I feel like I understand. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I should be a bootstrapper. I'm already doing the not sleeping <laughs> yeah, right. thing.
2: But that idea of you can't turn your brain off. Um, Like yeah. a lot of us wake up at three in the morning and then you can't get back to sleep because you're just like, oh, like you, you the brain starts going. And it it's so that part. Yeah, that that goes into everything. And in a sense, you're always that's what makes life fun. Like I'm always thinking about it. I'm observing uh like when people are talking about podcasts that they listen to in the coffee shop, I love that. Like I'm definitely thinking about transistor in those moments uh, because it's like, Oh wow, this is interesting. Like these people in this space, you know, are, are into this. Um, Is that, is that kind of what you're getting at? Like,
0: yeah, totally. I just want to hear your thought as somebody who's doing something seems to be a generally excited, passionate Mm -hmm. person, you have to have experienced that. And I'm wondering, you know, to what degree, how you deal with it, if there's problems, if there's not problems, if they're like the sleep problem. Or like, I I don't like to go to sleep because I'm like, wait, I have to leave all of these things and lay down in silence. Mm. And the only way that I get myself to go lay down in silence is like, well, you can lay there and you can think about these things. Like, it's just extra time to think about stuff. Oh yeah, I get
2: that problem all the time. I am really bad at weekends. I don't know what to do with myself at, on weekends. I'm like I, I'm oh, like yeah, okay. what I, I, what do yeah. people do on weekends? I've I right. no idea. I they drive me crazy. I, I dread them. Uh, I'm get I'm probably getting better at it. And it helps when I have to like bring yep. my kids up skiing or something. But
0: That is crazy. I don't know if I could have ever identified with that, um. but I absolutely identify with that. And I think there's a, a whole slew of people listening
1: to this that are like,
0: What are you <laughs> talking about? Yeah, no, I'm, I, when
1: when you said I'm bad at weekends, I thought you meant in the way mm. that I am, which is that like, I'm so tired from the week that I have no energy to do anything <laughs> on the weekend. Tico has a real job.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. it's a, it, like, I'm just like, this, like, weekends are lame. Like, what do I do? I, I, yeah. I, 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 love them.
1: I, I'm so excited. Today's the last day of my work yeah, for the year. And- uh, and then it's it's like a two week weekend basically and I'm you're, I'm you're loving AMC, it. I'm so excited. I'm dreading when my
2: kids get off school today. I have no idea what I'm gonna do. Like what do people do over these next two, three weeks? And John and I promised ourselves that we would work less. I've I have no idea what I'm gonna do. Right. It's not even you know, it's not relief per se. At least no, in the in the it's, immediate it's, it gives me a lot of stress and anxiety because what I I can't just walk around being grumpy like i i have to figure out something to do with myself
1: right have you ever considered taking all of the baseboards (laughs) off of your house right before your in-laws come and then painting them and putting them all back on before monday when when your in-laws show up at your house and also the guest room smells like dog trust me have you ever had that situation
2: (laughs) i'm just but, but i i can't get like some folks just love doing like house projects or whatever it just it does not excite me at all a little fear Oh, i mean that helps way. for sure yeah i gotta invite some people over <laughs> yeah that's the key yeah um
0: I, i'm gonna tim ferris the the outro what is your like give me a, a book and a quote
2: uh well for sure atomic habits uh, every action you take is a vote for the person you want to become like if if folks haven't read that book you you gotta read it it's it's so good uh what's another good book? Another really quick read if you're looking for a really quick read over the holidays is Derek Sivers Anything You Want.
0: Is that the CD baby like page yes. by page? That yeah, it's like a hundred pages or something. It's
2: incredible. And it has so many lines that I just use all the time. Like it's either hell yeah or no. Like if you're not saying hell yeah about something, mm-hmm. just say no. Um, yeah, it has tons of tons of great lines in it. So if you haven't read it yet, everybody should read it for sure.
0: Sweet. Quote?
2: Um, oh, I thought that I was giving quotes from those books. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, that's
0: crossing streams. You can give quotes about the books you reference, but you also have to gotcha. stand on
2: quotes. I mean, the the one that I'm saying a lot lately is that the market determines everything. So in business, in open source, in whatever you're doing, if you want a project that has traction, the market, meaning people actively using, spending money, doing something in this category, that you have to solve that first. And if yeah. you're targeting something, like a lot of people want to target something that's never existed before, I think if you're an independent, that is uh, very difficult to do. Almost mm-hmm. never happens that way. Even the most successful products uh, that were launched by big companies like Apple were al- already in a category or multiple categories. Like the iPhone was multiple markets. And unless people are already doing something about what you're like proposing, they already have a way of doing it right now, uh, it's going to be very difficult to get people to switch to your thing. <laughs> they just don't have a frame of reference for it. So... The mark, the market yep. you're in will determine almost all of your growth.
0: That's interesting because it's kind of backwards thinking. Like, like you would think, um, or you could think, oh, like this already exists. Like, I, I want to build a podcasting platform, but there's already mm. ten of them. You know, like there's already this really popular mm-hmm. one that has the whole market. Like, I, I better do something that's that's a niche that you know doesn't exist. But what you're saying is like that's the chum mm. bucket. Like they've already done the hard yeah. work of either creating or existing and filling mm-hmm. the market space. So just ride the tailwind and- That's, yeah, that's um, exactly
2: right. Like- uh,
0: Use it as an indicator rather oh, than for a sure. deterrent.
2: So ConvertKit has 0.34% market share comp- versus MailChimp's 60.51%. But even mm-hmm. that tiny slice of the market, ConvertKit is doing 1.6 million a month.
0: because Jeez. they get saps like me to aspirationally sign up and spend $50 with these big email lists that they never email anything exactly. to. That's that, why.
2: But I'm just saying, like, 0.34% of the market yeah. it,
1: is 1. 1.6 1. A, 6
2: a month. It's going after yeah. the things that have already proven themselves uh, that yep. That. that's that's where it's worth going, right? Like, that's that's the thing. And so, if people are already doing something, they're already in motion. That's a good sign.
0: Yep. Mm. Sweet. Good stuff. Um, you got anything else for Mr. Justin Jackson, D. Cole?
1: No, man. I'm really glad you came on. I feel like I could do four more episodes with you because there's whole things I wanted to yeah, talk to you about. We didn't even talk about, about web we development. Didn't, we didn't even. You were learning we didn't it. Even, Come close to talking about like what was it like for you to learn programming in public and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Which I don't, you dare answer that question yeah, right imagine. now because that'll take us six more years. But uh, but I want to talk to you about so many other things. You're a very interesting uh, person with many well, nooks and crannies.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we can we can certainly explore those in the future. I've, I'm down to come back anytime, especially if there's something I've said where. S- the the philosopher in you is railing. I I want to come back and dig into those topics because uh, I dig it.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. I think there I think there are many things for us to unpack. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. We've, we we got to have you back All right, at some point. Let's do it.
0: Sweet. Well, thank you for joining us, Mr. Justin Jackson. Uh, I think it's time to cue the outro music. Ba ba ba
1: ba. You know, one guy just yeah. He just realized what I was doing. Yeah. Someone on Twitter, they just figured it out. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Uh, he does the old podcast outro. Music. <laughs> uh, every 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 episode, I, I hum the outro music <laughs> to our old podcast. I don't even remember it. <laughs> um, and uh, someone just figured it that's out That's amazing. On By the way, happy, if you have fans
2: that figure stuff like that out and reach out to you on Twitter, you're that's amazing. That's the best thing. That's like the
1: You just got to have Easter eggs and don't tell anyone about them. But there are some (laughs) people who have
2: Easter eggs but have no (laughs) listeners.